It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host, Matt Brooks. We are brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts, and today's a big day. Um, James Harden has just, or sort of just, it's been a couple of hours, uh, been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Um, And today, I want to do two parts of this podcast. I'm not sure if I'm going to put them together or if I'm going to release them separately. But either way, this is part one of this mega episode uh, or episodes recapping what's been a really crazy couple of weeks and really just a crazy season. Um, This one, I'm going solo. And the point of that is really to explain how we got here. I'm sharing all of the information that I have not been able to share throughout this entire process. I'm just letting it all out there because I I know some stuff. I'm not going to say I'm like woes or anything and knows every little thing, but like I've gotten some details here and there, and I think I can contextualize why this thing went the way that it did. Um, So yeah, we're going to start there. And again, the, the point of this is to explain how we got to the point to where James Harden was traded by the Nets in the middle of a championship season because you can quibble with this or not. I'm going to say that the Nets were at their best with James Harden playing, even at his diminished state, even with the contract extension looming. Um, the Nets, when they had their big three together, were at their absolute apex, and they chose to trade this guy, so here's why, or at least what I can deduce. So, um, and I'm going to also, at the very end, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll save it, all right? Uh, so let's let's start at the beginning of the year. James Harden wants to extend. There's a lot of rumors about the three of them extending. And we get to about media day. I'm there in media day. And I think it was Shams. I think it was Shams, right? Uh, That broke the news that Kyrie Irving would not be attending media day because he was still presumably unvaccinated. And then it turns into this whole spectacle. And it's like, oh boy, this is a messy way to start the year, right? So that was a surprise. And it wasn't just a surprise for you or me, whether you're a fan of the team, whether you're a media member like myself or whatever, like whoever's listening to this, uh, it was a surprise. It was also a surprise to the Nets. The Nets were expecting Kyrie Irving to show up at Media Day vaccinated. That didn't happen. So what does that mean? Well, they're faced with a decision. And their decision is to say, hey, if you're not vaccinated, and it takes a while. It takes pretty much, I think, through training camp and preseason. Um... It really takes through that you know that period of time for them to say, hey, like you're if you're not here full time, you're not a part of this team. So that leaves the other guys to be run into the ground, and that was the start of the frustration, as been as has been reported for James Harden. 
He's frustrated with Kyrie. He was very, I mean, he was really frustrated about Kyrie not getting vaccinated. And that is what kickstarted all of this. That is what kickstarted the unhappiness in Brooklyn for him. That was the source of this. I, I can say that with 100% certainty. That was the source of this. It was nothing else. It was not the weather. It was not the taxes. No. It was it was Kyrie. It was Kyrie's unvaccinated status, which, you know, it is what it is. So, at the time of Kyrie's return, his part-time return, something happened within the Nets. And what it did was it built factions. Kyrie and KD versus Harden. At this period in time, right when Kyrie was chosen to brought back, that's where things really fell apart. That was the final knife in the side. You know, that was that was it. That was when things, the snowball rolled downhill and really started picking up extra snow, picking up speed. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this <laughs> analogy, but that was where things really got bad. Harden becomes even more unhappy. There's that comment about, I'm going to jab Kyrie myself, that he's joking. But it all started around this time, and which is interesting because that's when you would think that this locker room would repair itself, is that you're getting Kyrie back. That was not the case. So about a month and a half ago, I hear that, that James Harden wants out. There's a bunch of other stuff. Katie thinks thinks he's not himself. He's not sure if that, that Harden is going to get back to that level. There was a lot of animosity between these dudes and just a lot of ugly things flying around that you'd hear about. Um, along with the Nets being really upset with him for this year. Um, and the other thing I hear is that there's the trade package, if it was to come out there, would likely be some package of Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. That was out there about a month ago. Um, and and there was, you know, the, the Nets were looking into how they'd use him. Um, you know, they were thinking about how he could be a player. This was like a month ago <laughs> within the Nets, how he could play next to the, you know, Kyrie and KD. Things get even worse. Harden starts missing team events. And, you know, whether it's, you know, practice or whatever, um, he really starts missing things. He's not there. He, he's like barely a part of the team, I think is the best way to put it. And that brings us to this week. And Woj, I, you know, Woj reported that there was no discussions. That may be true. I, I think how Woj reported this thing was very tactical from the standpoint of I think we know who he was getting his information from. I think that's probably the best way to put it. And I do think there's some truth to this being done, this trade being worked out in back channels. Um, and, and, and you know, and a lot of this was just, they, it was just agents trying to make this trade happen for a lot of this week. But the one thing that I, I, that I feel 100% certain about saying, I, it's something I really trust. Um, I, I know that there was reporting today that indicated that there was no trade request made. There was a trade request made this week from Harden to the Nets. Um, and that's really what spearheaded this. When that trade request was made, 
all of the Nets' hopes of, hey, maybe we can get this guy back. Hey, maybe if we just wait this out, you know, we can win a championship together and we can, you know, all kumbaya into the sunset. No, like when that was made, that was it. That's how this league works. When a guy requests out, it's over. It's done. And I, and that was, I know it was reported, oh, he didn't want to request a trade. That's not what I heard. And look, like I'm not, you can, you should trust Woj for me. Um, but I just... I'm, I feel pretty good about saying that there was a request there. And that, of course, escalates things. Obviously, when you have a request out there like that, it puts the pressure on the team to make the move that they need to move. Um, and that's kind of how we got to the finish line. So, if I'm going to cut up pieces in the, I'm going to call it the blame pie, who deserves blame for what? I actually said this on Twitter I think every party involved is at some sort of blame (laughs) for the big three era not working in Brooklyn. Literally everybody involved, I think, has some responsibility in this. We'll start with Kyrie. Um, You know, Kyrie is the um, hometown kid. He's somebody that's beloved by the Nets fan base, and for good reason. Um, He's a great player. Does a lot for the community. That said, uh, him remaining unvaccinated has put a lot of strain on this team, both physically and emotionally and spiritually and every possible way. Um, Him not being there. I mean, it's not even that he's been part-time for this season. He just missed half the season and then was part-time. So you're playing like 25% of the games. And that put a lot of extra strain on guys. Um, and, and let's be honest, it's the biggest reason that Harden's out of here. Like, do you honestly believe if Kyrie had been, if he just gotten vaccinated and showed up, this team wouldn't be together? I don't. It's exactly why this fell apart. We all know it. We don't need to sit around and, and dance around the point. Like, that's why we're here. We can be honest with ourselves. And and that doesn't absolve everything off Harden because Harden's got a lot, a lot of blame on his shoulder. Ditching team events, like just not even being around the team for this last month. You know, clearly not showing effort in certain games. Um, and also just not being up front throughout the entire process. You know, the team suspected that he wanted to leave. When I said that there was worry a month ago, that wasn't because of anything he said. It was mostly just the team being like, yeah, this dude does not seem locked in. But there was no, you know, no stream of communication there. And I think there was just a lack of courage shown in terms of verbalizing these things. I, I He did not handle it well. You know, and and even just the way he showed up this year, he wasn't in awesome shape. Um, Even, even like, I thought, like, showing up to that game on Tuesday. Like, I mean, look, am I, this is, maybe this isn't fair. (laughs) Did he show up to that game against the Celtics to advertise his Adidas gear? Sort of felt like it. (laughs) And I think the biggest thing is that he left at the first sight of adversity. Um, You know. I, I it would have been it would have been nice to see him finish out the contract in Brooklyn. 
I get it. There's a lot of money at stake. He's going to make a lot of money this summer. That's excellent for him. Um, but I think there's some legitimacy to that. So those two, they're very responsible for this in terms of getting here, getting to this point where the big three is no more. I And this here, this here's my most unpopular take. I think Kevin Durant is a little bit to blame. In first off, if 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 he does not win a championship with Kyrie, there is probably a little bit of responsibility on his shoulders for aligning himself with Kyrie, who's just hasn't been available for large parts of the season every year. That's going to be something that's on his legacy. That's all right, and like if you, it's great that he wants to play with his friend. Don't get me wrong. But from a legacy standpoint, I think that'll hurt him. Um, I also think like over the last month, the way this team fractured. Um, He's probably a little bit to blame for that. Picking a side in this sense. Um, Picking the side of Kyrie, I think, really exasperated this. And then even just, you know, some of the other, the smaller things, the moves that, we can be honest, he's probably had a hand in. I mean, this roster has been kind of, (laughs) it's been a little weird. It's a lot of um, older bigs. A lot of, uh, just a group of guys that I don't think fully fit together. And I, I do think, like, I, I'd be honest, like, him and LeBron kind of do the same thing, where it's, uh, they they definitely have a lot of hand in terms of picking the players that they'd want. Now, granted, they let the front office do what they need to do, but I, they have a big say in everything. And um, not every not every superstar is like that. I don't get the sense that Giannis is like that. Uh, Steph Curry does not seem to be like that. And if you disagree, look at what they did to Avery Bradley only to bring on Gary Payton II, who I'm sure Steph is having way more fun playing with. I, I do think that, like, yeah, as great as LeBron and KD are, they shoot themselves in the foot a little bit in terms of having a hand in these things. And even just, like, the coaching decision, which will bring, will bring us to the... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to pile on Steve Nash. Um, I, I, I don't... Because I, I, I feel bad for him in a way for having to deal with so much over the last two years. But man, he hasn't been great. I mean, we can he hasn't been awesome. I don't he has not been a top 10 coach certainly this year and there's just been a lot of things where he seems just just got his <laughs> he just got too much on his plate, I think a lot. And I think, you know, he deserves some blame for not being not being great this year. And then last but not least, we're closing in on about 15 minutes, so we're going to make this one podcast. I do think Sean Marks and Joe Sy are also and look the, these like these last four they're a lot they have a lot smaller pieces of the blame pie. KD has a smaller slice, Nash has a small slice. I wish he was better this year, whatever. Uh Marks and Sy have a smaller slice. That's it. The roster building was a little weird this year. I said it many times, but this roster feels like it was built to beat last year's Bucks versus anybody in the playing field this year. And I still feel that way, and I'm sure we're gonna get up. we're gonna get to that on uh, part two of this. I also, and I'm sorry, man, but like I said, this when this happened, I I don't think they handled the Kyrie situation that well, sitting him in the first place, but then also bringing him back, it, it really um, it really exasperated things, changing the dynamic the way they did, and really honestly, like. The way that that was handled, I think, doomed this team. Two things played a part. Kyrie 
remaining unvaccinated in the first place, but how that situation was handled. Going from, hey, this, you know, these guys are, we're going to keep him out. He's not a part of the team to being like, you know what? He can play whenever he wants. Um, I think it set a really bad standard. The standard was, we're going to give certain guys preferential treatment. And it really fractured things. You can you can disagree with that standpoint. That was the that was what my takeaway was, and I'm not going to blame Kyrie for that. I said it when it happened. I I don't think Kyrie's done anything wrong other than remaining unvaccinated. I mean, he can't control like what his playing situation is, and um, and I I don't think they handled that well. I think if you could go back and redo any of this, you would either have him part time in the first place, or you would have just kept him out for good. If you could. So, and I and by the way, as I've reported in the past, <laughs> that was probably not an option. So really what they should have done is just made him part-time in the first place. So I think they deserve some blame for that. Again, that's a tough, you know, I guess, uh, hole to thread. I don't think I got that expression right. Whatever. It, it just, uh, it's a sad situation. I'm excited to watch this next iteration of Nets basketball, but it's a shame we only saw what, like 14 games of the big three playing together. It kind of feels like a distant memory and it's going to feel like that even more soon. It's sad. I'm I'm definitely sad about it. It's going to be, I mean, it's the biggest what if of all time. I'll say it. Um, it's weird to think about. So yeah, um, that's everything I've got. I hope you guys learned something. I hope I've provided some sort of Intel? I don't I don't know. Maybe I just said obvious things for 15 minutes. But with that, we're going to flip over to part two of this podcast with my guys Mark, Lucas Kaplan, and Alex Sturm. And we're going to be talking about this move in its totality. Bring in the music and we'll be back. And welcome back, everybody, to the Clear Out Podcast. I'm joined by a, a trio of guys that I'm very excited to have on together, all of whom have been on this podcast separately, but now we're all here together talking about, obviously, a very, a very big day, I think, in, uh, in Nets history. Uh, Lucas Kaplan, Alex Sturm, and Mark. Um, How is everybody doing? General, speak up at once. <laughs> I'm doing great. It was a big day in Nets world, Nets town, whatever you want to call it. And there have been some big changes, and I'm excited to see what it looks like moving forward because it's all we can do at this point. Yeah, it was good. I didn't have class today, so I, I got up at, like, 10 a.m., and I just kept going back to sleep until the trade happened, and then it happened around, like, 12.30 my time, and I was like, all right, I'm up. I'll shower. I'll get ready for the day. Yeah, I'm just glad this trade finally happened and posturing finished it. Dude. Me too. This was so long. Yeah, today was uh, was was hell. But um, yeah, let's let's talk about the trade. So the trade is uh, if if I don't know if anybody <laughs> I don't know if I need to introduce this because I feel like everybody's going to know what the trade is. It's listening to this, but it's uh, it's James Harden and Paul Millsap to Philadelphia for uh, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, two firsts. One of which is a 2022 first that rolls over to 2023 if the Nets want that, and a 2027 pick that's uh, top eight one through eight protect. And I believe that transfers over to 2028, right? Am I correct about that? Yep. Nice. God, I'm good at this. Uh, let's start here. So for the Nets, um, 
you know, obviously it's an, it's a big identity change for them, but what did, you know, uh, we'll start, I guess, with, uh, with who had the best hello, uh, Lucas, you had a great hello. <laughs> Lucas, what do you think of the deal and for the pieces uh, that the Nets got in this deal? Well, when's the last time an NBA team traded a top 15 or 20 guy at worst and got a return such as the Nets got today? Um, I think that, and also when is the last time an NBA team has made such a trade while still trying to win now, while not part of a full rebuild? Uh, overall, it's a happy day for Nets fans. I think the organization as well, not just to have the you know monkey off their back, but also because this is still a really good basketball team with a newfound sense of direction. Um, ben Simmons, as Nets fans and watchers are going to soon learn, is really, really, really good and will likely be highly motivated to do well in this new, this new team, which will play to his strengths. I mean, I'm excited to watch this team run in transition. If you're asking me one basketball-related thing that I think the Nets got a lot better at today that I'm excited for, this team is going to be even more unstoppable going from coast to coast than they already were. Yeah, I, I agree with that real quick. I, I the, the transition piece is going to be interesting. Like the half-court stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into in a second, is going to be really interesting. Um, they have 20 games to, I think, dramatically change how they do things when the, when the game slows down. Um, but half, like in transition, they're just going to be a blur. And I, I expect this team to be like top three over the last, I mean, that's being conservative, like top three in transition offense over really the last month of the season. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think that'll be interesting. Mark, what'd you think? The first thing I have was I can't believe a once in a lifetime world event ended the big three, which is just <laughs> fucking crazy. Like and, and injuries too, but it's just crazy how it everything literally went wrong for this team and franchise for it to happen. But I'm excited for Ben. I think the thing that I'm looking forward with Ben, outside of like seeing what has he actually worked on on offense, even if it's just like marginal improvements, can you be like PJ Tucker and hit a spot of corner three? Can you do anything off the dribble? Can, do you have like a mid-range game now? I think having Ben Simmons in like a half-court setting, you get a souped-up Bruce Brown, basically. And I think it's going to force this team and coaching staff to be a lot more creative offensively than they have been this year. And I think it's going to add like interesting dynamics where like you can play Ben Simmons at center and you can play a bunch of shooting around him. And I think defensively, too, they have a lot more versatility with him as well. Being able to switch, you can do different things depending on who you play. Like if you're playing Andre Drummond, you can maybe show at the level and other things like that. And just having someone like Seth Curry be a shooter, which this team like desperately obviously needs. I think it's definitely a good trade for them. And I'm looking forward to see what they can do along with also the transition play. Yeah. The one thing you uh, that I like that you mentioned um, just quickly is having Seth Curry. Uh, they now have like three guys that I really like in those ghost screen plays where you can have Kyrie, uh, Patty, and Seth run those plays for Ben. I think that's going to be a really cool thing. So that's just loosely something I'm just thinking of right now. How about you, Alec? What, what's, what's, what's stuck out to you today? Yeah, I think what Mark said about like them actually having to scheme on offense and use players' strengths, because previously the big three, I mean, they were all perimeter-centric guys. They were all shot creators for themselves, for others more or less. And like Ben Simmons is a highly flawed offensive player, if we're being honest. He's some really great strengths, but the Nets team and the coaching staff and the organization as a whole really is going to have to prove that they can 
get the talent out of Ben Simmons that so clearly exists there. Yeah, I, uh, I, so I'm thinking about this right now. Like, what, how much does getting these three guys change like the lineups? This is a tough question that I probably should have prepped everybody on, but that's how we're doing things today. We're trying to do things off the cuff. <laughs> that's been a lot of the stuff I've been doing today. <laughs> I think, I think where Drummond slots in affects a lot. Like, do they see him as a backup center who's playing 10 minutes? Does, does Nash start him? Is he playing 25? Does he get to 30? Like with Aldridge out, we don't know when he's going to be back. Claxton seems to always have some kind of lingering injury. And, and doesn't Matt, like, do we, uh, they don't really need Claxton anymore. I'm sorry, but like, they yeah. don't really, they don't really need him. He's a good, like the switching aspect oh, is nice. Do you is think a, they, do you think. Fun episode. I was going to ask timeout. I was going to ask if I can just. No, hop in. Commandeer this podcast for a second. Everybody one to 10. How hot is this take? 10 being flaming hot. Andre Drummond walks in to HSS training facility as the best big man on the nets. Uh, one to 10 for like 10's hottest. 10's hottest. One is like, duh, obviously. One and so a half. Four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's how it takes. Nice. Who's, who's number two? Who would it be? Blake Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. You can't do that to LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge like, come on. I, Aldridge has been solid. Aldridge can shoot. I'm saying I a agree. four. I agree. Listen, I think I think I think hypothetically, if Drummond, Claxton, and Aldridge can give you a combined 48 minutes a night, I do actually really like that. And I think their big rotation would be in the best spot it would be all year. I think Drummond gives you enough in drop and maybe even blitzing. You know, we know his hands are probably the best part of his defensive game, the best rebounder on the roster yep. by far. Claxton is your switchy type, probably their best roller in terms of lob finishing, although now with Harden gone. But yeah, who's throwing lobs now? Exactly. You might want Drummond on that short roll. It can get a bit wild (laughs) at times, but he is still, I think, a plus passer from that position. And then Aldridge is your pick and pop guy, your best shooting big. So I'm pretty solid on the Drummond acquisition. I tweeted it today, but I'd rather have him than Thibault in that trade just for the rest of this year. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to push back on that. I actually am going to disagree completely um, because I think you run the same problem that we saw early in this year where it's like, I, okay. So let's say I, maybe they're having Kyrie as the primary pick and roll guy, which is like fine. I don't love it, but it's fine. But like when it's not Kyrie out there, I guess it's KD running pick and roll like that. My problem is I don't know when they're really going to ever like they'll, they'll use Simmons, I guess, in, guard guard pick and roll guard big whatever inverted pick and rolls but i don't know how it's like basically what i'm trying to say is i have a lot of trouble trying to envision ben simmons next to any of these big men like any of them it gets it gets a little awkward except for maybe next to lamarcus and even then it's like we watched it this year like lamarcus is a i'm doing air quotes spacer a floor spacer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i'm a little worried about that that's what i was gonna ask because lucas is talking about like the the uh the division of big man minutes and how Lamarcus and Lamarcus and Aldridge Lamarcus Aldridge are the same person Lamarcus and Drummond and Claxton but would you rather Drummond or Claxton out there with Ben Simmons because neither sounds all that great to me and you're gonna play Ben Simmons at least thirty minutes a game like wow <laughs> uh, uh, I think you take Drummond I think you take Drummond because you let uh. 
KD and Kyrie just shoot and then you just clean up the rebound, <laughs> there's a good shot or not. Um, here's another question. Do you think that they got better today? The Nets? No, because I think the big, I guess, cloud is Kyrie. And if Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated or the mandate doesn't change, this team's ceiling is still capped until that happens. Let's say he and gets, let's say he stays part. Like, do you think like if, if things stayed the same with uh, him staying part-time and James Harden being here versus him staying part-time with this new group being here, do you think it's like dramatically different? I think they get very clearly better on defense. And I think there's certain offensive aspects that they get better at, like the transition game, obviously they get a little, they get a significant boost in that, but, and also like the other part is to that, James Harden obviously didn't want to be here. Who knows? Like, was he really throwing that Sacramento game? I don't really know. Right. And I'm not going to assume that on him. I'm just going to assume that it was a really bad game on his part, but they got rid of someone that clearly didn't want to be here. And it was clearly impacting the locker room. And that's probably a big upgrade, getting some or a big bonus, just getting rid of that and getting some people here that actually wanted to be here. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I think one of I don't want to be like the fan who's hating on Harden, but I think he was pretty clearly throwing that Sacramento game. I think, I think we know this is a strategy he's likes and that he's used before. So, and I also do think Kyrie will be a full-time at some point. It's just a prediction I've had for a while. I'm sticking by it. So I think the Nets, their hands were tied a little bit today, but (laughs) they got better by virtue of doing what they had to do. Like it would have been really just the rest of the year would have been a mess if they had held on to Harden. And they wouldn't have gotten package in the offseason, even though it's not so much on court stuff. They made the right call, is my point. They got they have more ball handlers than they had before the trade deadline, which is interesting. Uh, I know you'd rather have the ball in Harden's hands than Ben Simmons, don't get me wrong. But Ben plus Seth is enough perimeter creation, or at least guys that you trust to set up an offense to dribble the basketball under pressure at the most basic sense, like at the most, we're picking teams in, in fourth grade pickup basketball. And I need a guy who can dribble with his head up sort of thing. You have more options, more creativity within the offense. Seth is an upgrade on Patty Mills for me in that department. Patty might be more explosive, getting around screens, setting up his three point shot, maybe a quicker release, but I trust Seth to do a little bit more of that second side pick and roll, maybe not creation, but just getting the net set into actions. And I think you'll see that that makes the offense run more smoothly than those games where Harden either wasn't trying, if you want to call it that, or wasn't a hundred percent. But I think the offensive hope is that things grind to an unbearable halt a little less once Ben and Seth are fully integrated. Yeah, they'll definitely better. There'll be a better second side team. It's like the first side that I have a lot of questions because I don't even know. We might as well touch on this because I know we're all into this stuff. Uh, like, what, what are do their pick and roll possessions get cut in half? Uh, Alec, I know 
you mentioned to me, like they, they could definitely play out of the post through Simmons or, or even KD if they wanted and run a bunch more split cuts and do things like that. So I'm, I'm curious if you guys have thought that far ahead in terms of like how they can play together and how this group's going to look in the half court, at least. I think when you think of a traditional um, half court offense, you think of a lot of high pick and roll. I mean, that's just because we've watched James Harden for so long and they did that with D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Duity. That's who this Nets team has been. But I'm looking forward to see what they figure out and how they changed up a lot. Because like you said, those split cuts playing out of the high post, I think that's what the Nets want to do. They want to use James, they want to use Ben Simmons as a four. I really like the idea of Simmons handling the ball and like a smaller guard screening for him. If someone like Kyrie wanted to send some in, set some inverted screens for him, you can get him moving that way. You can get Simmons downhill against a smaller defender. But I'm really not sure because I don't love the idea of Kyrie Irving as a full-time bring the ball up kind of guy. And I mean, you look at the other guards, it's like Cam Thomas and they still have Javon Carter for some reason. And um, who else? Bruce Patty. Oh, Patty. <laughs> Patty can't dribble. Patty can't dribble. That's who. Hey, we heard conflicting reports that Marcus Zagorowski was on the bench in the Celtics game. So, oh so, yeah, I need a I need a text Long Island PR about that. Some Don't Long Island erasure from our own uh, premier. He's Long hurt. Reporter. He's hurt. He, he's been hurt for a while. So was Harden. He was on the bench. <laughs> he was hurt. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Anybody? Else, any other thoughts on the uh, on how they on how they play? I guess. Um, I think that, well, we can debate whether what happened with the lack of the secondary trade move. I'm sure we'll get to that a little later on. But right now, assuming Joe comes back, even if he doesn't, you have three unbelievable shooters and movement shooters that are a little bit light on ball handling in Joe, Seth, and Patty. And you can add another one in there in Kyrie, who has a little bit more, well, a little bit more is not the way to describe it, a ton more ball handling. Um prowess i like the idea of them exploring generating offense out of the post with a premier passer in ben simmons or kd you know split cuts i'm assuming we're going to see a lot of that sort of action a lot of guard to guard screening so it's going to be a very very different looking offense i don't think there's any way around it than what we saw with harden and the other thing i'll say is that i don't mind Kyrie as your primary full-time you know bringing the ball up the court guy as much as I think has been discussed here. I think what you lose is he's at his best on the second side, attacking those tilted floors. But I think if we're just talking about him as, you know, a more traditional point guard, he's still one of those premier guys to me. Like you love to have him do that. I think he's gotten better at handling doubles, making quicker decisions. Obviously, well, I'm sure we'll see, but I'm not as worried about that as I think maybe Alec and, and Matt have, have stated here. Yeah, I'm just a little lower on the like when he puts his head down, the reading out of that situation. I, I remember, uh, I don't know if I looked this up a couple years ago, but he's like one of the lowest pass percentage guys out of drives. And I believe, I mean, I, I know he's lower in pick and roll um, dis- decision making. So that's the only reason why I'm like, hmm. A little bit lower. I, yeah. And I, I, you know, we've talked a lot about like envisioning this offense, but like two things, a, they have like 20 games to figure this out. So like, that's a pretty big thing to do is just remodel your offense. B uh, we're going to see what this coaching staff is made of. Cause Lordy yeah. have there been a lot of things this year, or I think we've all just been like 
can we get like 5% more attention to de- like, just give me 5% more attention to detail here. Um, and this would have been a good year. I'm sorry to have Mike D'Antonio around like, man, that would have been pretty nice. If you had that guy like taking over and, and, you know, at least throwing different guys at the, uh, or different ideas at the whiteboard. So, um, that, that part for me, like, I think if I have any big questions, I, I think the coaching situation is way, way up there. Like this is a big test for them. I think yeah. in terms of the oh wait no go ahead. I think in terms of the offense, something I have a hard time envisioning them running a lot of pick and rolls. They'll do it, mm-hmm. but they're playing a center next to Ben Simmons. I feel like it's just going to be way too cramped for them to do that. I think for them, you'll probably see the pick and roll numbers go up a lot if they start playing Ben Simmons at center. And the other thing mm-hmm. that I think they'll probably start utilizing, like you guys mentioned, split cuts. They can still do scissors a little bit, but again, I knew you were going like, to mention it. Yeah. I knew you were going to mention it. <laughs> They can, they can definitely they can still do it with like Ben at center or depending on what lineups they run out there. Um, the other thing I think too, we're probably going to see a lot more handoff actions. I could see like Ben Simmons being like how Joel Embiid and Seth Curry work for each other. You can see something like that working out for Ben and Seth, or like Ben and Kyrie. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I would I would kind of hope we see something like that, but I definitely think it's going to be a work in progress. I think we've hit this well. Let's talk about the secondary moves or lack thereof. Um, a lot of rumors this week. There were rumors of Bruce Brown uh, getting traded and uh, I guess opting to give up his um, no trade clause. Uh, Javon Carter has been in trade rumors, I think, since he took his first shot in Brooklyn. Um, who else? Joe Harris. That's another one that was thrown out there. Um, he was definitely an option considering he's got all these issues with, with sounds like with his ankle, um, just based on the lack of a timeline there. And then Nicholas Claxton. So all of those names were thrown out and none of them were dealt, which is bizarre. They have 16 players on the roster. Uh, they need to clear one. They absolutely want to make, uh, Kessler Edwards, a standard contract. So there's a lot to be done. Um, I'm assuming we're all going to have the same viewpoint on this, but uh, Mark, what was your takeaway from the Nets not doing anything with any of those additional players? It was surprising, I would say. I thought Claxton was the guy that was going to be gone. I kind of understand him staying around because I think the center rotation has a lot of versatility, especially on defense. Like, I think if you want to have more offensive-oriented, you can play LaMarcus Aldridge. I think Claxton, you would obviously skew to defense if you want to play like the switching scheme with Ben and like Katie and Drummond, I think can add like a little bit of versatility. I know people like kind of con him, but I remember the game they played against the Warriors this year in Philly and they had him playing at like the level of the screen when Steph was doing pick and roll and they would like force the ball out of Steph's hand and him, then he would recover to Beely. So like, you don't really see that from like LaMarcus Aldridge and Claxton doesn't really get asked to do that either. He's like a really decent at those type of things so I think but for Claxton at least I just think the value for him offensively isn't going to be there anymore like you guys mentioned it he's really good with Harden because Harden can actually throw lobs Katie doesn't throw lobs I think he's legit thrown one lob to Claxton since they've started playing together and Kyrie's just not there all the time and he's not a guy that throws lobs either Katie's more of a guy that throws like bounce passes so he's more better suited with Marcus Aldridge so that was like my take. I was kind of surprised and I was really surprised that Claxton stayed on this team. I don't think I'm as negative on the no, on the lack of secondary move 
as I was when I when we last texted like two hours ago. <laughs> I, I took a walk. I thought about it a little bit. And the name that, that the Nets were rumored to a lot was Jeremy Grant, who's a four on the Pistons. He's had a stint in Denver where he was more of a complimentary player, def- playing defense, shooting a slasher next to Nicole Jokic. And now heavily reported that he wants to be a number one, number two kind of guy with the ball in his hands a lot. His shooting efficiency has dropped. And the Pistons wanted two second round picks. And more than all the names that Matt named, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, of course, Carter, whoever, is these two picks that they got from Philly. That's like two first round picks is like, and if you're a contender and you're willing to move your first, that's like some real trade ammo right there. Like who cares if you're contending? But I kind of get them holding onto the picks, especially since the 2022 one can carry over. And I assume they'll do that. You can retool in the off season. And at a certain point, let's say Marks is looking and he's like, am I going to give up Joe Harris two second round picks for Jeremy Grant, who I don't think is a great fit on this team? who I don't think is as good on, on defense as people say, I, I, I kind of get the move. Like in the offseason, you've sit, you've what, 30 days instead of two hours? Like I think the Nets can play a little more patient now and can really strike when the time is right. I hear you. Um, well, first off, like Harrison Barnes drying up. But, with the King. but they still should have traded Nick Claxton. That made no sense. No, that didn't make sense. I so I'm gonna push back on that slightly just because I I hear you in terms of you don't want to make a move that's rash and like Marx just doesn't like to do that. Like he doesn't like to make head moves. I think that's why he's good at his job. At the same time, you're also banking on what KD at age 34, Kyrie at 31. Like it this team has never been healthy. So I don't really agree with just being like, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine next year. Like there's just always something. So if you feel like you can get these guys on the court together in the next 20 games, I would do it. I, I just believe in going for it when you think you have a chance. I, it, to me, it's see, maybe I'm wrong. It feels a little bit like they're pushing some of their chips back to next year um, with combined with Mark's thinking that there just wasn't a deal to be made. It's interesting, though, because you have all the ingredients to make that secondary move. You have the young, possibly, you know, attractive player to other teams who then you control their restricted free agency with Claxton. You have a nice matching puzzle piece salary in Joe Harris, and you have the two first round picks. I mean, that's those are some great ingredients to concoct a trade. Um, To me, it feels like he had 40, he had an hour, let's say, after the Harden trade was done. I think Mark's probably poked around Grant the most, maybe some Turner noise. And after that, you know, as you said, the Harrison Barnes well sort of dried up. They're just, he probably just didn't feel like he had enough time to really make the trade that he wanted. You know, if you had told me a week ago that they didn't deal Joe or Claxton, to me, that would have meant that they think Joe was coming back this year. I don't know if that's true at this point. Um, just because of the timing, you know, of the hardened trade being so close right up to the deadline. But they have a ch- they have half a foot, not out the door, but pointed towards the offseason where they can manage sort of all of these assets and all of these guys that are still under contract for next year, including their three great shooters, which might be a little bit of a redundancy in one sort of position with Joe, Patty, and Seth. So this was them pushing, I think, their ultimate goal for this roster back to next season while saying, all right, we got KD 
we think maybe Kyrie's coming back. Ben Simmons is going to play for us. Lord knows we could win a title this year, but if not, our full death star is going to be rounded out next season, which as Matt pointed out, has a lot of reasons that might make you go. I don't know. All right. Uh, I have one. So I, Lucas, you mentioned that I have, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just like putting on the tinfoil hat. Do you guys feel like they took a little too long with this deal? Like maybe they should have hammered this out on Wednesday or done this earlier on Thursday. So they would have given themselves time. Cause that was one of my many thoughts. Like one of the first seven thoughts I had after all this happened that it feels like the buzzer sounded and it was kind of like, Oh, I guess we don't know what we're doing again. Part of that is I think what they needed, which I think is what I want to talk about next. Uh, but what they needed in terms of like wing depth and just like guys that are going to play behind KD, um, they just, I don't know if that market was out there. I think it takes two to tango. I think uh, yeah. Philly had that in mind and we know how Daryl Morey operates. You know, he wasn't eager to make a deal before the deadline because, you know, we heard some Tobias Harris noise about OKC and all that, but this was Philly's going to be their only move. I think, I think they were pretty settled on that. No reason to give the Nets more time to build a contender um, to flesh out their contender, you know, with an, an extra day at the deadline. Hey, by the way, maybe that would have given them time to get in on Derek White. I wouldn't have minded that. Uh, that was a pretty nice pickup. I kind of like what Boston's doing. <laughs> yep. That was that was one first. Was it was it a one first in a twenty twenty seven like swap? Like that's the Nets have that draft capital after the Harden trade. They could have made Derek White happen. Yeah, it's uh it's tough. Mark, any thoughts on this? My first thought was kind of like related to like Harrison Barnes. It's very it's very funny to me how like all Nets fans bitched about Joe Harris choking in the playoffs. And they're like, yeah, give us Harrison Barnes. And the, guy not- <laughs> the guy very notorious for not shooting, not making a three during the finals. I was just like, come on, bro. Like, I get Joe Harris was hurt, but I'm not hurt, but I get Joe Harris is hurt and you kind of have to replace him somehow. But I was just like, come on, y'all just, it's just not being serious. I had another thought, but I just lost it. But, yeah. Um, I, I, I know you want to, I know you want to talk about the defensive stuff a little bit, which I want to end on too. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit of extra stuff. Um, but uh, what do we think of like the construction of the team? Just, just overall. Like if you just look at this roster. Weird. I know I cut you off, Mark. Go ahead. Unbalanced. (laughs) Yeah. This team. Go ahead. Built in four hours. (laughs) Because it was. Like, like, I agree when you're like, yeah, they should have made the trade on Wednesday or Tuesday. Yeah, they should have. But at a certain point, Mark Scott, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, Andrew Drummond, and two first round picks. That's really good. You can't really argue there. Um, so did they do their homework beforehand? Like, did they have to up for these two first round picks? You know My what hands hurts? are in the air because I don't know what to say. You know what hurts is free agency. Give it to me. Like, free yep. agency is just going to come back and bite the nets for the rest of the year. That, like, that was yep. probably my sixth thought was, damn, getting James Johnson and Javon Carter and just, like, all these dudes, they, Paul Millsap, like, man, that hurts right now because you, you tried to remodel the team in the middle of the season, and it's just, like, it looks so – like, you just look at the roster, 
It's all six foot ten dudes. There's like, oh. including KD, and then it's like six foot three guards: Kyrie, Patty, and Seth. <laughs> Benbury's not even on the team. You're one six foot then, whatever seven guy. You're not even on the team anymore. It's so. Hey, it's weird, okay right? if if Enos Freedom is right. Jose is probably uh, is probably violating many human rights statures and creating a highly unethical you know, human clone machine. So maybe we'll have three Kessler Edwards on the team by April. Oh, how did I leave out Kessler Edwards? Damn. That was not on brand of me. It, the roster oh. reminds me of every art project I had in middle school. <laughs> I was just not an artistic kid. And I was like, ah, it's like 10 PM, like bucket glue sticks, popsicle sticks. All right, it's done. I mean, God forbid the Nets have like a normal big three where one of the players like plays inside the paint. And like they're not all perimeter creators. Like they got only defensive players in the offseason who can't shoot, and then they bring in one star who like likes to play inside. And it's no, just he it's only likes to play defense. Let's be honest. He's he plays okay. defense. But like okay, <laughs> think think of any big three. Think of like the Bucks or I don't know, like the the Warriors or any like non-Suns team. The stars, there's at least one star who likes to attack the rim and not the three-point line. And now the Nets have that, they're screwed because all they have is non-shooters. Ben Simmons doesn't even like to attack the rim half the time. There was like a whole two-month period well, last year where he you, wasn't attacking the you rim. Have to like, you have to like tell him. And then, oh, wait, I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to I'm going to save the Ben we're Simmons. Not we're, we're not making mental health jokes on this podcast because it's a serious topic and that will come out at a further day. Um, Mark, we've, we've talked a lot. What are your thoughts on the construction? Yeah, it's not great. I think the one maybe good thing that could come out of this is like, especially since Kyrie's not going to be playing at home, is like he's going to be for Ben Simmons is going to get forced into playing into a higher usage role where he might actually have to use some skills like, oh, yeah, you actually have to shoot the ball and not attempt like just room attempts. So I think that would be interesting. But yeah, this roster has way too many centers. You have what James Johnson, like Blake Griffin, Lamarcus, Bayron, Drummond. Paxton, but you have five centers on this <laughs> roster that you're not going to make time for all these dudes. Like, I feel like we're going to see Drummond and Blake reenact the Detroit minutes that they had. And I'm just not oh. going to be ready for that. I I'm forgot they were teammates. I forgot. Oh my God. Oh my God. Dude, well, that's why they kept Bruce Brown. Is James mind- Johnson a three now? <laughs> yeah, that's the new Josh Smith. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, it's so funny because this team is like probably my second favorite team in the Eastern Conference, and I also just look at the roster and I'm like, what the, like what's going on here? Like, it's so chaotic. They're the worst, like great they, team they, ever. They, yeah. they can be a really great team, but they're at the same time awful. Yeah, if, if they win a championship, I know nothing about basketball. I like I don't. This team is so hodgepodgey. Yeah, Blake Griffin. They brought DeAndre Jordan, and then they got rid of him. And now they brought Drummond. And Blake Griffin just like these are all my old guys. Why can't I play with anyone new? And I'm a center now. I want to play center. It's yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, Mark, I didn't, come on, I didn't come on here to talk about Blake Griffin. Let me. No, nah, yeah, this is like four mentions. I'm good. I'm I'm done here Mark. tonight with Blake Griffin. Uh, Mark, let's talk about the defensive stuff. That was that was your request. So I want. I'm clearing out. Ooh, that was a bad. That was a bad pun. Uh, I'm clearing out for Mark here. 
Um, um, I think it's really interesting that just with Ben Simmons and like even with Drummond, you can have like a lot more defensive versatility. And now with Harden gone, I don't remember how the Nets used to play defense before Harden got there. I don't recall it being switching, but I could be wrong on that. And they eventually went to a switching scheme when Harden came in there. I wonder what they're going to do now that Harden's gone. Are they going to change? Are they still going to be a switching team? Is it going to be dependent on the lineups that they're playing? Like if Lamarcus is playing, are they just going to play him in a drop and then have everybody else switch? Are they just going to play straight up drop, drop coverage? Because now you have like an actual elite defender who can get over screens and stay with guys. You can have KD be a free roamer. And I think it's just going to be interesting with some of the personnel that they have now with Ben Drummond, you still have Claxton on the roster. KD is still a really good defender, at least on ball, off ball. He's like a little shaky at times. I think there's a little bit more defensive versatility that they can tap into, like whether it be trapping, having Ben lock down one guy and then just keeping assignments in front of you and other things like that. I think that's going to be really interesting to see what they do on a defensive end going forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of like, just, well, I, if, let's say LaMarcus and Andre Drummond are their center rotation. Cause I kind of think that's what I'm settling in on a little bit. Like you're probably going to be a primary drop team. <laughs> And then it, let's say you have KD on the weak side, that's your like zone up guy. Uh, if if somebody gets beat or or if they play Drummond, I guess a little bit higher, which I also kind of like. Other than if KD gets back cut, then I don't like it. <laughs> but it's uh it's it's nice. It feels like they're. I mean, they're just really big now. That's the big thing. Like this feels kind of OKC Thunder ish twenty sixteen era, um, where they're just really really big across the board. And, like, and not and not slow footed, which no. is like what we saw in that you know season opener versus Milwaukee. It's like oh, they're playing all these big guys, but they're slow and can't jump and can't rebound. I mean, I like Drummond up at the level. If you're getting KD to really commit and lock in on that end, I think we've seen him do it. Um, and it's really just not to be like flippant, but like an attention span sort of thing. But KD and Kessler on that block on each block you know sort of zoning up uh on the baseline you could do a lot worse than that although we haven't seen that a ton from Kessler Edwards that's actually the one part of his game I'm I'm really interested to see I just feel like I don't have any data on that like how does he do zoning up making rim rotations or like xing out yeah like is he an x out guy is he gonna be able to do that rotation exactly Alec might have more insight on that because I can only speak to what I've seen from you know Brooklyn minutes and I don't really know about what Long Island runs and if he's utilized like that there. Yeah, uh, I do the same stuff, but I didn't get to see any Long Island practices until recently. He didn't, wasn't doing much there. I think I think Kessler is a good name to bring up because I'm trying to like visualize good defensive lineups on the Nesters in my head. Like, okay, you have to have Ben out there. You have to have Katie out there. You have Klaxon out there. He's still pretty good, but... Then you start thinking about okay, how do you make up that shooting? And guys like Patty and Seth. Seth is is Seth isn't like a slash, but he's not a great defender by any means. So a guy like Kessler, who's someone you can balance out those two things, I think is really important. We're gonna spend a half second to talk about DeAndre Bembry. He was waived um, for okay. Why do we think Bembry was waived? <laughs> Here's a good lead-in. Why do we think DeAndre Bembry was waived today? of all the players that could have been waived. The same reason I bought the uh, non-brand name paper towels today at Target. 
saved me an extremely marginal amount of pennies for no reason. Yeah. Uh, not great. I, that was not a great way to end the day after everybody was, there was some nervousness about the nets, not making a secondary move, which I think we've covered, uh, could, you know, I just don't think anything materialized. It is what it is. That one was kind of like James Johnson was sitting right there, man. Like he was sitting right there. Bruce Brown would have been a decent option. Uh, and again, like this probably won't matter. Cause like none of these guys are playoff rotation guys. So I guess that's like kind of the argument you could make, but like, right. you never know, like this team, again, all they do is ever get hurt. So I'd rather my t- 11, what is he? The 10th, 11th man, uh, I don't even know if he's that low, whatever, whatever it, you know, part of the hierarchy DeAndre Bembry is I'd rather him be there than, you know, Bruce Brown. Oh yeah. I think that, I think the two guys you brought up Johnson and, and Brown are, if you're going, if you're taking the angle of like, these guys aren't playoff guys, it won't matter, whatever, whatever locker room stuff. I think it looks bad to cut a guy like Bembry over James Johnson in terms of just, the vets on that team and even a guy like Bruce, we know how much has changed in the last year and we've seen him play Bembry over Bruce this year. But I mean, it's at the end of the day, he played 53 minutes in, you know, maybe the biggest game in, in franchise history. I think that has to be taken into consideration, especially if you want to be known as a player's first franchise as the Nets clearly do. Yeah. Bruce is the one I was looking at. Not because like, I don't think he's been good, but because I know he is not, been happy this year with his role and he is not somebody that is like oh it's all good you didn't play me for eight games while you played David Duke Jr uh like he's not the guy that's like oh yeah that's fine by me where Bembry I think responded a little bit better to that and just looked like himself right away so um I yeah I I don't know again marginal move that probably won't matter in the end but it was just like kind of a strange note to end today on I think yeah I'm not sure Bembry could have played any better this year, like versus what was expected of him. He was like a great finisher at the rim, especially early into the year. And even though the shooting wasn't awesome and we've all laughed at the three point percentages that have been thrown out there, like he was a really valuable contributor for someone who's like considered a cut candidate in training camp. The only thing I could really rationalize my head around outside that it was them saving money was maybe they know something about Joe's injury. That's like, some real hit of hopium right there, but maybe they know something about Joe's injury that he might come back sooner. But other than that, I don't, there's just no reason they should have cut James Johnson. Agreed. Uh, do we want to spend any time talking about Philadelphia or is, is everybody, is Alec, yeah. are you going to be okay? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm good. I can talk about Philly. I'm just going to hate the whole time. I know you are. <laughs> no, I won't. I, uh, I can't wait for Harden to be the closest passer to Embiid and then Embiid gets doubled and then Harden doesn't shoot a catch and shoot three. <laughs> I, there, was, there was a tweet today that was like, oh my God, they can't double Embiid anymore. And I'm like, oh, they're going to learn that he doesn't do anything when he doesn't have the ball. Just wait it's till like, the first time Harden cuts off the ball and throws down like a lefty dunk in traffic and he does the nosebleed celebration and Philly loses their minds and it caps off like an 18-0 run as they go up like 16 on the Bucks in game four. I'm going to FaceTime you right then and there, Alec. <laughs> Yo, what if Dude, Harden starts I'm cutting? You. I, uh, Lucas, I will FaceTime you in game seven when they're down 74-92 with two minutes left. And Harden's like calling calling Raphael Stone on the bench. Like, you know what? 
I kind of miss Houston, honestly. Maybe I got this wrong from the jump because I think that might be where we're headed. No, I, I, in all seriousness, the Harden, I think the, the Fitz, Harden, and Bede are might be a little bit overstated, the concerns, but at the same time, they're very real in there. It's just like the age-old question, what is Harden doing when he doesn't have the ball? Um, I think he'll be more motivated to make it work out. I'm sure if anybody can get in his ear and say, look at these numbers, take more catch-and-shoot threes, it's Daryl Morey. Um, but it's going to be – let's not overreact to the first 10 games where the fit is kind of weird because that just happens anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I so, so the Sixers are kind of in the same situation that the Nets are where I'm like, I don't know if they have enough time to figure this out because, like, I don't think Harden's just going to show up and he's going to be like – going to look like – you know, JJ Reddick out there coming off, ripping off handoffs from, from Embiid and doing stuff like that. And then conversely, I don't, I mean, you know, Embiid's actually so good that I could actually see him just starting to play in pick and roll and just living off lobs. Um, And then also like, he's become really good off ball. So you could even do other things like have the guard screen for, um, Harden and then Embiid will play off ball a little bit. So I, I think there's ways to mitigate it, but also at the same time, I'm saying mitigate to like describe this awesome duo. And I think that's where I have a little bit of pause. So they're, they're the team kind of like the nets where I'm like, I don't really know. Like it ultimately just comes down to, I think the bucks are better than both these teams. And, and you know, the heat, I think also have a pretty good fighting chance against both uh, if not are in the same tier as them both. So with that in mind, I'm like, I kind of see both of these teams being like, we have really good pieces and we're going to roll into the off season. And then we're going to figure out what we need to figure out whether it's coaching changes. Uh, I mean that for Philly, I don't mean that for the nets. Um, and then just other roster moves. That, that Mike D'Antoni versus Steve Nash matchup in the first round of the 2023 playoffs is going to be quite something to witness. Dude, Bleacher Report's going to do like, uh, I'm trying to think of like the like the teacher and the student type of thing. Like, a what is it, Ninja Turtles? I don't even know. What that no, would be. Fun point, I, I, hope oh. we get, I hope we get net sixers just for the clutch points this, uh, this, these playoffs. It's going to be D'Antoni Vaughn. That's going to be... That's going to be the matchup. Dude, cl- no, Clutch Points is going to like take uh, like Harden and and Katie and Kyrie and it's going to like be like a Photoshop of like Mean Girls or something like like just something really. They're going to go off. They're going to dig deep into the bag. <laughs> hey, you know what I'll say though? All this whole year, every time I've come on this pod I'm, and I've heard both of you guys talk about it on this pod, you know, trying to measure Harden's decline. Oh, is it fit, spacing, hamstring, confidence? Does he want out, motivation? We're about to find out. And mm-hmm. we would, we, you couldn't imagine a better scenario to really find out what's going on with Harden. So the truth shall be laid bare very, very quickly. Yep. They also need another shooter, but that's neither here nor there. They, yep. Ben Rackamore to the rescue. <laughs> Y'all well, not rocking with Danny Green? Danny Green. Oh, God. I think. <laughs> I at first I was kind of expecting like a, a little bit of like a honeymoon run for the Sixers. Like maybe they got off like a few wins in a row, like James Harden, Philly, finally. But I, I also wonder if he needs to get in shape. And I honestly don't think this hamstring stuff is like totally obviously he's not like actually this hurt. Like he could play if he had to right now. Mm-hmm. But he's had <laughs> hamstring issues all year. You the know? left one though? It's, 
Oh, is, is, it, is the left one not the one he hurt? Oh, yes. Oh, they made that up completely? Dude, he had a hamstring. Wait, really? I, Bro. I'm busy. <laughs> he had a hamstring. I was like, what? what is a hamstring? Oh, so he woke up <laughs> and said, I can't I, move my hand. <laughs> I think he's declined. So like, like, like Cap says, we'll see. We'll see if he's back. I think he's declined athletically, and I think the hamstring's a big part of it. Maybe not the left one, but I think one one of them, one of the hammies, is part of it. They no, do have they have a lot of shot creation though. Like I I would say they have more shot creation than the Nets. They have Maxi. I don't know if I can go that far, but let me. It's it's you know, it's in the same ballpark. We're gonna say that. Uh, but you know, Embiid, Harden, Maxi. Um, and then I like that they were able to retain uh, Thibault. Like that's that's something. Like that's a good backbone. They have the wing defense that they need. Um, I, I think they're really good. They're going to be really good. I just uh, I worry there's going to be a moment where they're a shooter short, and I don't know when it's going to happen. But I they really like that. Just surviving off of any two man action they could run with Seth and Embiid is not there anymore so we'll see how they address that how are they going to fit tobias in because they haven't even been able to do it with really ben simmons out and we haven't even mentioned his name this podcast um can't you use him as a screener like as i mentioned earlier he's not a bad pick and pop guy i have not i don't have the numbers in front of me he's not i'm just worried because he he hasn't been great this year and i'm worried about i don't really think this helps him He's, he's been better lately, but you're right that he's going to get relegated to a spot-up guy because that's what Harden kind of does. And for good reason. Harden's really good at what he does at orchestrating. But I don't think it helps Tobias at all. Yeah, so, and he wasn't. Was, okay. and, and we saw, and we saw to, that Harden prefers, like, centers, the screeners, too, I think. I think it'll simplify, simplify what am I saying? To make things simple for uh, Tobias, because I think like part of the reason why Tobias has kind of struggled, even if it's like a very small aspect, is even if Ben's out there when he was playing, like it messes up with the matchups. You can't put a small guy on Ben because he's just too physically imposing, and you have to change the matchups where Tobias gets like a weaker defender that you can post up and do whatever. And now having Harden out there, it's like okay, you have to put your best defender on Harden automatically on the perimeter. So Tobias can get easier matchups, get the ball in post spots easier, and, you know, maybe getting more catch-and-shoot opportunities. The other thing, though, with Tobias is, like, sometimes he'll just turn down catch-and-shoot opportunities and then just take a pull-up dribble for two. So, yeah, I think it'll be a little better. I've had so many Sixers fans as friends that complain about Tobias this year. It's insane. Yeah, me too. Well, he'll be uh... – He'll be he'll be shy. He'll be Shay's uh, teammate. So it's all good next year. I don't know if they'll actually do that anymore. I, I don't really think it would behoove them to do that now that they have Harden. But right. who knows? that's but, what I was going to say, because that was like really strongly in place. Like that dude, was leaked by everyone. Dude, they, Maury, was, Maury's good, man. I got to give it to him. That guy's good at his job because that was some so nice good. leverage. The, the, honestly, both of these GMs were so good. It kind of sucks that one of them wasn't worse at their job because we couldn't really make fun of anybody. We were kind of just like, oh, that's pretty good. I feel like that makes sense for everybody. Yeah, so we, saw, we saw two masters at work. Yeah. The, the only thing we could like even reasonably laugh at was the Kawhi comparison. But even that like kind of worked. <laughs> like 
even that was like, hold on, did, did Philly fall for the Kawhi thing? No, it, dude, that made no sense. I was like, didn't Kawhi leave? Like, what are they talking about? Like, what wasn't Kawhi like engaged the whole year? It's so stupid. I was like, oh my god. At that point, I was like, please just make this trade. Like, I've I've had enough of this. And that wasn't even the worst Kawhi comparison of the day. I forget which Celtics reporter said he would fear that uh, um, Romeo Langford might turn into the next Kawhi under the oh pop. Blue check. Bro. They give him to everyone. Dude, I'm gonna go oh. Twitter search that right now. <laughs> Romeo Langford. He got moved today, right? Yeah. Yes. The Spurs. Man. All right. Last. Last thing. We should get this out right now. It's always nice to look back on our first impressions. It's the day of the trade. Ooh. How do these seasons end for the Sixers? Oh. And then how do they go? The rest Two of the parts. World? Do that and who won the trade. Okay. Do you want me to start? Yeah. Who won the trade? This, hmm, I really do think it's as even as you can get. I mean – how again the nets give up the superstar and you can make a reasonable argument that they get better that almost never happens in nba history even if i don't agree with it the sixers got their guy top 15 player maybe he's actually masquerading as that and he's really a top eight nine you know top seven player how did these seasons go gun to my head assuming Kyrie get plays full time i don't know why i think that i just do i just think the mandate will eventually be reversed um this season if not you know I think it definitely by next season but let's say Kyrie's full-time I honestly would have the Nets in a in a, in a series with these Sixers I, right now I think they lose to the Bucks in a good series in six seven I don't think it's oh Bucks clearly above the Nets this and that but we got to see how the matchups shake out because I think I would feel more worried about the Heat versus the Nets than the Sixers versus the Nets but ultimately, gun to my head, I think the Nets get further if matchups allow them to, while Milwaukee still comes out of the East. Oh, who won the trade? The Nets won the trade easily. Um, what, what are we asking? No, I mean obviously that's not obviously, but there, there. I think there are questions about Harden moving forward, and I think Ben Simmons. I think there's a non-zero chance Ben Simmons is a better player than James Harden in like two years. And I also fan of that hardened contract. Like I think that's one of the trade. But like predicting a season is way harder, if we're being honest, because the Nets, it all relies on the Kyrie, the mandate, if he gets vaccinated, he won't vaccinate. Oh, the mandate and the Joe Harris injury. If Joe Harris comes back hundred percent, which seems very doubtful, and if Kyrie comes back full time, which I don't know, 50-50, call whatever it is. I could see them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe they beat the Bucs. I'd still play pick Milwaukee. If not, I see them like losing the second round. I think Philly won in the short term. I think the Nets won in the long term. I think something that people generally don't talk about either since the straights happened. I think something that'll be interesting is that eventually KD is going to get old and get phased out. Kyrie, God knows what's going to happen with that man. You can't guess, you can't guess whatever the hell he's going to do. Right, but I think ben, having Ben Simmons is like maybe a way to usher in the next era of like Mets basketball. I think will be pretty interesting to see what they can move on, what they can do with him. Um, Philly obviously gets the best player in the deal. I think, it, like everybody said, it'll be a really good test to see has Harden really declined 
And what kind of ramifications does that have going forward, especially if they're going to pay him like 50, 60 million dollars. But I think this team, I feel like the deal is good for both teams. It'll just be a time will tell thing. All right. Uh, I'm saying Philly wins the deal because I would rather win in the short term, which I think I think the Nets got worse in the short term, much better in the long term because I wouldn't want to pay Harden. Um, but short term, I'd rather win, especially with Kyrie Irving's commitment to being available, I think is the best way to put it. Um, lack it, of commitment. Lack of commitment, yes. Um, and just generally, like, the health is so sensitive for this team every single year, um, you know, and just, like, knock on every piece of wood I could find. Like, I just want KD to stay healthy. I want Kyrie to stay healthy. But uh, I, I also feel like long-term – I'm going to think about that every single year with this team. So um, short term. Yeah. I think Philly wins. They get the best player in the deal. I'd always want the best player. Um, that's always what it comes down to. I have no idea what things are going to look like next for the nets. Um, and I I'm going to say in terms of how far each team goes, the cop-out answer is depends who they play. I don't like Miami for either one of these teams. Cause they're both new and Miami's so well coached. Um, that I just feel like they're going to pick apart your weaknesses and Spolster is going to like spend hours in the lab and like, you know, expose the nets non-shooting or, you know, put the Sixers in awkward situations where they're doubling Embiid and um, whatever. James Harden is the one pass away guy. Like, I just, I don't know. That's a matchup. I don't like um, I, the bucks, I just think are better than both. So it really depends. Um, I think there's a world where the nets can make, the Western or the Eastern conference finals. And then uh, I think there's also a world where they're out in round two uh, and then same goes for Philly. So I, I think they're probably in the same threshold for me. Um, and it also like, it really depends on we, <laughs> I know I'm in like my final minutes here, but um, it, it depends on where the nets finish seeding wise. Like they got to survive until whenever they get KD and, and Ben Simmons in there. So We'll see where that all finishes out. But um, yeah, I, I think these teams are probably about even this year. And uh, it's it's even. It's pretty even. But I do say Philly wins. <laughs> so um, that's pretty much all we got. We do have a basketball game that, like, hypothetically we should probably watch. Um, I want to let everybody plug away their Twitters, even though I, I know Mark hates it and doesn't want to do it. <laughs> but too bad. Um, so we'll go down the line. Lucas, where can the people find you? Twitter sucks, but I'm on Twitter as I have an addiction to it at Lucas Kaplan underscore try. I've been writing a ton lately, but trying to write more at Nets daily. Maybe I'll do some more general NBA stuff after this crazy deadline all around it. Roll call sports network. Um, it's crazy. I'm about to graduate college this spring. Hey, My freshman this spring, I was running home vividly remember to watch game four Nets Sixers, Jared Dudley versus Ben Simmons. Here we are still at the same school. Still in the same apartment. Life is life is a trip. Mark. Oh, okay. Um, well, I don't have anything really monumental to say, but you can just follow me, Mark L I T at 09. I talk about the Nets and maybe some basketball stuff sometimes. Nice. Very good at it, by the way. Let me just yeah, say. Mark Should have more amazing. followers. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I'll have a take and then Mark will say something else. I'm like, oh. Damn it. I, I need to rethink my take. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Um, I'm equally addicted to Twitter. Is anyone else here? Um, at Alec underscore Sturm. 
I have a really interesting feature, I think, coming out sometime soon that I've been procrastinating writing that I shouldn't because it's really interesting. And I'm excited for people to read that. Thank you, guys. Can you get, I don't even know. What, what is it? Can you give me a hint? I'll tell you. Can Star you give me Maker. a hint? Oh, yeah. Oh. He, he, oh. Get some good stuff. Nice. Dude, did you ask him about his hoop mixtape? Because that's like one of my favorite things oh. on the internet. No, no, because <laughs> oh, no. Dude. gave me 15 minutes to think of questions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, dude, yeah. his hoop mixtape. I remember watching that in high school. I think it was high school. Um, and I was like, dude, this guy's the next Kevin Garnett. I've never seen a basketball player like him. He was like seven <laughs> feet hitting like hezzy tweens. Like I was like, oh my God, this dude is sick. Lucas, do you remember the brawl? Australia had with Philippines that he was part of. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, I remember that. He brought that up. And for a second, I was like, wait, what is he talking about? And then by the time he was done talking, I knew what he was saying. And so I had to like make some joke and then we kept talking about it. I was like, this is wild insight that he's just like, he's like, oh yeah, the kick. I was like, the kick? That's what you're calling it? I'm like, okay, fair enough. Did they like well, throw chairs during that brawl? Yes. I Googled it afterwards. Matt, I'll send you this. It was insane. Wow, I didn't know it's about like, it. It's like, like a World Cup qualifier, Australia, Philippines. Hey, I got I a thought... question for you guys. What's up? What is the biggest war crime lineup you think Nash is thinking of right now with Ben Simmons? Oh, dude, there's a buzzer beater. That's a uh, good one. War crime lineup? Be... Let me go first. Ben... It's, it's Ben Simmons at point guard. That's for sure. So it's like Ben Simmons at the one. Bruce at the two. Yeah, Bruce Brown is a must. <laughs> in this kind of lineup. Bruce at the two. Going back to the Detroit days. Bembry's off the team. So Wait. I'll say, I'll say, you know what I'll say? I'll say sneaky Cam with a three. Because Cam. No, 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 no. James Johnson. No, but I don't think he's that bad. So we'll put Cam with a three. What? And then it'll be Blake, Blake and Andre. Blake what and Andre. Kim, there's no it, way after all the shit that you have talked over the last nine months that you just said James Johnson is a better basketball player. No, I don't think Nash is stupid enough to run James Johnson at the three. Okay, this is like, this is like a semi-realistic exercise. Okay, this is like the semi-plausible, like what could he, what might he actually run out <laughs> I there? I think he could do Simmons, Brown, Cam, Blake, Drummond. I Drummond? think he would do that. Nah, I'm, uh, that's like, that's like one guy too much. This yeah. is one too much. I think if you replace maybe Blake with like, who Kessler. can like, who's a fake Kessler. Yeah, that would be, Yeah. <laughs> That's a great lineup. Or, to me. or James Johnson. Or oh, James Johnson. Oh, God. <laughs> or you can. Just take your lineups. I, yeah. You know what? No, 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 no. You know what he would do? Take out Andre Drummond, put LaMarcus Aldridge in there. Put LaMarcus and Blake oh, yeah, next to each other. Get the creakiest front court in the game and put him out there. With... And then and then the first substitution would be Bruce Brown for Javon Carter. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like oh this will switch things up i feel bad for javon carter honestly i don't i don't he's he's going seven for 13 from three he's three and d cam thomas dude i've watched so much bad basketball recently with nets jerseys that i was honestly watching that game where javon carter was making seven threes i was like this guy's not that bad like maybe he should get another chance <laughs> bro he wasn't 
I don't get it. I I'll never I'll go to my grave not understanding what happened with Javon this year. Him and Paul Millsap. I'm just gonna be this like weird conspiracy guy in like five years. It was like they were just misused, honestly. Like I don't know what like, happened. This is like me with Ed Davis three years ago. Like, <laughs> yo, if Ed Davis doesn't get hurt, the Nets are going to the finals. <laughs> Ed Davis was holding Jared Allen back. He was just if, if no, if if Dudley doesn't get ejected, the Dudley ejection hurt the Nets more than the Butler ejection, and I will die with that. Wait, wait, actually, wait. I actually agree with that. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> yeah, all right. Everyone on Twitter was like, "Oh, that was a great move by Jared Dudley. He dodging Butler ejected. That's like the most value he brings to this team." No. Kenny was crying. He was far and away their best defensive rotator that year. Like, by far. Yeah. All right. I'm going to cut the next uh, 15 minutes or so of, of conversation. We got into a lot of depth about Kenny Atkinson. That's mostly my fault. It's actually all my fault. So we're going we're gonna to cut the convo here. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I thought that was um, a good sit down with these guys. I just want to thank uh, Alec, Lucas, and Mark for joining me. Um, they all brought a ton of expertise and insight, and I, I, you know, I just hope that we, you know, covered um, this story both from an insight perspective of where we're going forward and how we kind of got here. So, if you enjoyed this conversation, go ahead and check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and do leave us a five star rating. Um, and yeah, stay tuned for the next episode of the Clear Out coming soon. Peace. Thank you.